Dear Echoes family, we at Echoes Media are deeply saddened by the events over the past few months. The murders of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and Ahmaud Arbery weigh heavily on our hearts, and the subsequent nationwide protests and calls for justice resonate profoundly in our souls. It's easy to get discouraged and overwhelmed and maybe even feel a little hopeless. But here's the thing. This is exactly what Echoes was built for. We were created for moments like this. When founder Janelle started Echoes Media three and a half years ago, it was after the release of her book, Echoes of the Struggle, where the protagonist experiences a social justice awakening after the death of an unarmed black child at the hands of the police. One month after the book's release, Janelle created this platform so that we could not only share our experiences to foster empathy and understanding, but also share our advice about how to spark that empathy in the world. Today, we believe our nation is going through yet another awakening. Only this time, we hope the call to action lasts long enough to create lasting change. We are not afraid of being wrong because we know it leads to getting it right. We are not afraid to ask questions because we know it leads to answers. And we are not afraid to feel uncomfortable or make others uncomfortable because we know it leads to growth. As such, Echoes Media promises to keep doing what we've always done, seeking out people to share diverse experiences with the hope of eradicating discrimination and promoting inclusion to create a more equitable world for the next generation. For the first time ever, we did an early release of our podcast. As protests were still ongoing, we wanted to do our part to inform first-time protesters of what to expect and remind protest veterans what they need to keep in mind to be safe and effective while working on the front lines. We encourage you, after you listen to the episode that you're about to hear, to go back and listen to On Air With Darnell Lamont Walker and D.R. Hansen, where they talk about their experiences with protesting. As always, we thank you for your continued support. Be safe, be well, and we'll see you in the fight. Jack and Janelle, create hope, forge a path, change the world. This episode that you're about to hear is by our B underscore voice crew. Um, And they'll tell you a little bit about who they are, but we hope that you enjoy this episode. We love that they hijacked us and we love that they got to share their voice. Hello everybody, welcome to Echoes On Air. Um, For all you avid listeners, you're probably like, who the heck is talking right now? And it's your girl, Emily Truelove. Um, This episode is actually a pretty special episode. It is the B underscore voice takeover episode. Woo! Um, If you don't know what B underscore voice is, it's um, an Instagram account that we have, and our parent company is Echoes Media. Hey guys, I'm Lauren Harrison. I've been running an Instagram account where uh, we try to encourage social consciousness and um, confidence amongst teenagers and young adults. So... Janelle has given us the platform. Hopefully she does not regret it. But here we are today to talk about our our perspective of what's going on right now in the world uh, with some fellow young artists. So if you guys will introduce yourselves, please. 
Yeah, hi everyone. My name is uh, Caleb De La Torre. I'm um, I'm going to be an incoming sophomore at the University of Texas at Arlington. I have the, the amazing privilege of getting of having to work with Emily Trulove and Lauren. You know, some good friends of mine, um, and I'm very excited to be on the show. Hi, my name is Fatima Flores. Um, I am also an incoming sophomore at the University of Texas uh, at Arlington. I'm a musical theater major. And I also have the privilege of being on this podcast with three amazing artists and the privilege of getting to know who Janelle is and the, the cause. So yeah, I'm excited. So we are recording this on Zoom. Uh, bear with us. Hopefully things aren't too shaky. Things aren't too chopping in and out, but we're gonna try and do our best. So uh, for Fatima and Caleb, why don't, let's start with Caleb. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you're dealing with what's going on today? your reaction on a general level uh yeah so um you know i'm sure lots of us have uh you know a, a general uh emotion towards all this you know um especially you know with with one you know the virus but also the 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 black lives uh, matter movement that's you know gained uh lots of traction lately um i guess you know in regards to how i'm doing um, I mean, me personally, uh, lately, you know, I've been doing fine, you know, thankfully, but, uh, in light of, you know, recent events and, uh, situations, uh, that sparked the movement, um, I guess I could say that, you know, I felt, you know, pretty, pretty heartbroken, um, compelled to take action like many of us, um, I'm sure also feel like, um, but yeah. I think like the overall general feeling that I feel like a lot of us are feeling right now is like, like this heavy weight on our shoulders to like want to do something and to want to like contribute to it. Like how everybody's talking about right now we're in a, like we're making history, you know, and like being, being all people of color and stuff like that, we all believe that this is something really important and like, if you sit in the background and you do nothing about it, then you're not contributing to something that will make a historical change and is currently making a historical change. And I feel like those days that we aren't doing anything, you feel that, you know, you feel like, okay, what can I do? What can I, what can I sign? What, who can I talk to about what's going on and stuff? And I don't know, I think it's just like a huge responsibility and like it can cause a lot of stress and I feel like I'm like a huge advocate also for mental health and stuff like that so it's just kind of like it's just like taking those times to like okay I'm gonna try to do this and I'm, not, I'm gonna try to do that but I'm also gonna try to watch over myself as well. I'm really glad you brought up like a mental health um, aspect of it too because I know a lot of people have been struggling because when you open Twitter or you open Instagram or you open any social media at all, you're seeing people, one, you're seeing people die. And that's something that's really huge. But at the same time, I know, especially people our age, not only have we seen people die at the hands of police, but we've seen, you know, mass shootings and we've seen people die constantly to the point where we're even desensitized to it. So it's just a crazy thing to start seeing that more and more and more and try to yes, take care of our mental health and take care of how we're feeling, but also push ourselves to look at it and sit in that discomfort. And it's interesting because it's like, where's the line? And I feel like it really depends on the per person. It's very frustrating <laughs> when 
I see people trying to um, put specific lines to people about their mental health and about what how much they can take. And it's just interesting. It's like it's, a, it's interesting of how much discomfort should we sit in and how much should we sit in it and then let it push us forward. It's just this weird kind of, I guess, purgatory of discomfort. Um, and another thing, Caleb, I was really glad you talked about was uh, the Black Lives Matter movement gaining traction now. Because one of the questions we were going to talk about today, um, speaking of which, this podcast, the kind of general topic is about effective and ineffective ways of protesting from, you know, our generation's point of view. But um, I don't know if you guys remember, but whenever we were kind of in middle school, going into high school, and even like uh, probably our sophomore and junior years, the Black Lives Matter movement was still really big. You know, there was a lot of things that happened that made the protests really start. And that was the first time I had heard of it in like eighth or ninth grade was when it really became big. And I was wondering if you guys feel like this, I guess this chapter of the movement feels different. Do you think there's a reason why the protests have gone on maybe even longer than they did before? Do you think maybe um, there's a really big difference between this chapter and, you know, the chapter before? Is it because our generation is more involved or what do you guys think it's about? I think it's because our generation is a lot more involved. I feel like personally for me, when I grew up, um, I never learned about any black history. Like my school never taught me any of that. I never, I like how you were saying that this started our junior year of or like in junior high school and stuff like that. I never, I didn't know about it. I like, I wasn't involved in it. I wasn't, um, like I wasn't hearing about it. I wasn't, and like social media is like a huge thing now. Like since like, I, I think a big reason why all of this is like starting to, um, be like a lot different than it was like back then is because social media is such a huge influence in our lives and now like we're constantly on our phones we're constantly like it's such a huge platform for everybody first of all and that's why like you go on twitter you immediately see all of these things that are happening all like cancel culture is a huge thing too like all these different movements that are happening because of the platform that we have now and i believe like that's why it's a lot bigger now because like our generation is all about being on our phones and like now we're seeing things and our just our generation is a lot more open-minded I believe uh, personally than uh, other generations and so if we see an injustice we want to do something about it right away. Yeah yeah to add on to what Fatima was saying and I completely agree uh, I think social media is a big part um, that takes place in our generation. I think also um you know, while we were in middle school, right, early high school, um, by then social media was was huge, right? But I think I remember hearing about the Black Lives Matter movement. And even when I when I would learn about, you know, Black history in school, you know, some of the lessons that they would teach us, I think, and, you know, I think it's safe to say, and especially for me, I think uh, lots of moments in history, you know, stayed in our heads, stayed in our hearts, um, uh, lots of situations that I guess kind of like like Emily was saying it, it kind of frustrated you as a kid um right you just couldn't do much about it because it was well oh it's just history right you know it's, it's it's in the past um but now that you notice that it's a it's 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 just like you know recurring events and now that we have platforms to speak out speak our voices speak our minds um back to you know the social media you know how big it is and all I think I think that that just plays a big part, you know, especially with our generation. And like Fatima said, you know, our, our generation participates a lot with the social media, you know, um, 
mobile devices now or phones and, and whatnot. Okay, uh, I completely agree. It, that platform is, um, I feel like it goes both ways because it can be just as damaging if used incorrectly, I feel, as it is beneficial. Um, but you guys, as college, now sophomores, uh, I don't think it was mentioned, but Caleb is a BFA acting major at UTA and Fatima is a BFA musical theater. Um, so now we're in college, we're starting to learn things on our own, separate our opinions from our parents. So I'm wondering how do you feel that the current events have changed or substantiated the opinions and views that you are now having to deal with and learn about on your own uh, from the way you grew up or the places where you grew up? So for us, um, me and Caleb both grew up in South Texas. Um, and like over there, I was never exposed to any other culture besides Hispanic culture. Um, so I think that's a big reason why I never learned too much about black history because over there, like it was, and still to this day that like over there, a lot of people are like, it's not our problem. It doesn't happen here. So why does it matter? And that like negative way of thinking is like what's influencing a lot of, uh, like kids back there like to think like okay well if it's if it doesn't affect us here why does it matter you know and I think that's a really like negative way of thinking because it does affect us you know we're all people of color and like this movement is not only helping African Americans it's helping Asian Americans it's helping um, Hispanic Americans it's helping literally everybody who didn't have a voice because all all of us are like really scared to speak up and like offend anybody or like have people who have more power like a, a position of power like tell us okay you can't do that like if you want this you can't say that and if you want this you can't do that and stuff like that like if we speak out against like specifically being in theater and stuff like that if we speak out against shows that we see aren't appropriate then you don't get cast and you don't get ahead and I think that's like something that's really scary in a lot of like POC communities is not getting ahead and not being able to, to, you know, you know, full out that, uh, live out that full American dream that like we've all been promised and stuff. And like from back home, like how me and Caleb, like we're never, I, I, I guess me personally back home, I was never exposed to any protest. I was never exposed to anything like regarding change, you know, and especially even for our community, like we, a lot of people know like McAllen, Texas as like, that's where they house a lot of the, um, uh, immigrant children and like women and children in the the facilities in cages and there hasn't been at least to my knowledge any protest about that and like a lot of people back home are saying okay why are we going to participate in the black lives matter movement when we still have kids in cages and like my response to that is why don't you start one instead of complaining about people who are looking for change you get me it's always interesting to think like, oh, people don't always have the same experience as me. Like, it's interesting to be like, oh, my experiences are not universal because I don't know if you feel the same, Lauren, but me and Lauren both grew up in Grand Prairie, which is like 40 minutes from like the hard Dallas, not even. And so I remember there was a huge shooting and a huge Black Lives Matter protest. I think it was like uh, after our sophomore year or something. But I remember that was like whenever I got truly, really, really affected by it. And I started to you know, use my voice to speak up against things like that. And I started to educate people in my life and educate myself because that was, you know, it was front page news. Like, I remember there was like police officers who were also shot and there was people by protesters who were like shot and everyone, like, it was insane. It was insane to just like randomly be exposed to that all of a sudden, like, like when I was like, you know, like 16 or 17. 
and so it's it's always it's crazy to be like wow like you didn't because you grew up in South Texas you do that's not something really that you saw because it wasn't like near you even though it was happening you know kind of under people's breaths and in like the system itself which is really crazy but just that's just something I was like wow interesting no yeah yeah for sure um and like Fatima was saying you know growing up in in South Texas the valley in particular um you know you're not really exposed to much diversity you know you're you're pretty much in in a pool of of just you know hispanic americans you know people um straight from mexico right because uh we live right next to uh you know a number of border towns on the rio grande um but yeah like, like fatima was saying is that you know you're not exposed to many things um you know you sometimes you would catch things on the on, on tv or on social media right but uh i hate to say it and I think I felt like uh, in the under the majority of, of, of how people thought uh, down here in the valley. But, you know, you see things and you're kind of like, oh, well, that's that's over there. Right. You know, that doesn't really you know pertain to us. Right. You know, it, it doesn't, doesn't not that it doesn't matter. Right. But at the time it was kind of like it's irrelevant. Right. Since since we're not over there, we're over here. We have our own things going on. Um And like Fatima was saying, right, like I think a lot of us um, or she had mentioned how you don't see many protests over here. You don't see, you know, people um, trying to make a change, but I think that uh, we've, uh, we've strayed away um, from our early roots, right? You know, our, 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 our ancestors that, that came over here to the Valley, right? I know that they had to fight uh, for many things. I know they had to protest for many things, right? To win their rights. And thankfully um, they did gain that, but I think, you know, with all the, you know, with all, with all the, I should say, with all the success that they got, you know, um, with said protests and said movements, I think um, our people here in the Valley have, you know, have forgotten about that, have lost their way of thinking. And, you know, don't, don't think back and remember that, you know, we had to do that at some point to, you know, get what we wanted, right, get what we deserved. And I think that, you know, people in the Valley, people in South Texas, I mean, people anywhere, right, should always be open um, to change things for the better. It not only affects like our generation, it affects the generations that's about to come. Like my little sister is so like advocate about like all, like like Black Lives Matter and that like we need to protect each other. And like, she's like, she's 10, like she's literally 10. And she's already like, we were, <laughs> we were sitting together in my living room and then she was like showing me all these like TikToks about the Black Lives Matter movement. And she was like, look at what's going on. And she's like, this isn't right and all these things. And I'm like, see, that makes me so happy seeing that like, they're starting to learn from what we're teaching them. You get me? Like, mm -hmm. not the close-mindedness that we grew up with as, like, okay, like, protect yourself and that's it. You get me? Now it's, like, love everyone. And I think, like, that's, like, that's, like, so important. Like, kindness is the only thing that we need to understand each other. So I'm curious how um, specifically for you guys coming from the Valley to Arlington, even though our freshman year was cut short, um, you know, Arlington's like right in the middle of the whole DFW area, Dallas, Fort Worth, all that stuff is going on there. I'm wondering uh, if how much of an impact specifically that had on those change, your views changing, especially and especially as artists of color. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I uh, not that I wasn't like exposed, uh, that I was not exposed to anything, you know, outside of the Valley. Right. You know, I. I uh, you know, I had the privilege to, 
to travel many times before I reached Arlington, right? You know, I got to go to other states, right? You know, go go upstate in Texas. Um, so I was exposed to different cultures, right? You know, especially in Texas, you know, there's 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 completely different cultures, but still, right? You know, I I always um, had that valley mindset, right? You know, kind of like, you know, there's there's not much, or I don't know much um, other than this, but. Uh, to answer your question, Lauren, I think one of the biggest things that did, um, I guess, you know, change my view on things uh, per se, and um, I, I love to mention him because I love him, but it's, you know, having like a close uh, black friend for the first time, right? I, I never did, right? I I, I had talked to, to many uh, black people before, right? But I never, I guess I could never say that I had a an actual, actual black friend, right? Um, but you know, meeting, meeting Reggie, that, that's who it is, Reggie, right, Reginald, <laughs> Reggie Dunlap, um, if he hears this, I love you, Reggie, but uh, yeah, you know, uh, meeting him, right, you know, talking to him uh, about, you know, different views on things, and then pretty much just, just, just getting to know him, right, and, and even you, Lauren, right, um, I guess I'm, 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 I'm glad enough to say that I met you guys, right, I'm, I'm very thankful that I met you guys, you know, you guys are uh, prime examples of, you know, great people, right? You know, people that, you know, I, I, I aspire to be like, right? You know, Reggie's so chill, right? I wish I could have that, you know, that that calm, relaxing manner of who he is, right? Lauren, you, you're such a hardworking girl. Um, I would always see you um, out there looking for roles. You'd be like, oh yeah, I have this audition for this. I don't know why. And I'd be like, oh man, I have to get on it, right? You know, I was like, oh, you're playing Xbox in my room, right? You know, not doing much. But, you know, like I was saying, right, um, uh, yeah, you know, getting to Arlington, um, I think you guys were, you know, one of the biggest impacts, right, you know, even though it's, it's, it's a given, right, you know, like, you know, everybody's great, every, every human being um, can be an amazing person, right, you know, if, if their head's in the right place, but no, yeah, I, I'd say that you guys were some of the, some of the biggest reasons that, you know, kind of, had that uh had that effect on my views so yeah oh i think it's adorable how much you guys you guys just love reggie have you guys gone to protest by chance i went to one um we were late though <laughs> um so me and, my, me and my friends we went to one in fourth worth but once we got there it had already stopped because i mean like if i'm not at work i'm currently in a show right now so i just never really had like a time to like um like to go early <laughs> basically and so um but we went to one in dallas and it was mostly us spending our time trying to find where everybody else was at and then joining other people that were also trying to find where everybody else was at and so um it was around the time where um I, it was like two weeks ago we went to the one in dallas it was downtown dallas by commerce street and um once we got there they weren't really letting any of the protesters pass a certain point like they started like all the cops started blocking off the highways and they started blocking off the streets so when we were trying to get closer to where all the protesters were they would just kind of like tell us like if you pass here, you already know, like, you're at your own risk of, you know, basically what happens to you. And so, like, we would we would try to, like, follow and get closer to, like, where the protest was, and they would just keep blocking off the streets. And so then we would meet with other people, and we're, like, they would ask us, like, hey, do you know where everybody else is at? And we're, like, we're trying to find them, too, you know? <laughs> like, but it, it's still, it was still a great experience, I believe, like, being there, seeing that other people were also motivated to, you know, like, 
to like be there and be a part of the protest and like fight for like what's happening and and there was just like you would walk around downtown Dallas and you would see like everything that happened like the aftermath of like what happened at the protest and it was just like um buildings that were uh basically like uh, broken into and there was like graffiti all over the walls and um there was what I love though was that there's like a, a part where it's like the it's like a Rosa Parks um it's like a statue that was left untouched and I was like yes <laughs> and that made me really happy but there was there was like a section in the parking lot that we were like passing by where they had about like five protesters like on the ground like with with um handcuffs and like we were just kind of looking like like what was the purpose and you hear one of the ladies she was screaming she was like I didn't do anything like I didn't do anything and then so my friend Maze, she had water bottles and she started giving them to uh, some of the people that were like detained and stuff and like you can just see the cops like looking at us and just like laughing basically and I was just kind of like so mad that I couldn't do anything or else you know something happens to me too and I think that's like a line that a lot of people are scared to cross you know like if I do something then it'll hurt me as well you know, and that's just like a sad thought to have, I guess. Yeah, I, I haven't had the opportunity to go to any protests, uh, mainly because I've only heard of one protest uh, that happened here in the Valley. It was in um, in one of our towns here, um, Edinburgh, Texas, um, that's, which is where Edward's actually from, or our, our friend from Arlington, right? Edward is coming in. Um, yeah, I remember, I remember hearing about it, and I think I saw like, you know, uh, a page for it or you know something like that on facebook and it was like oh you know click to attend i don't know what and i remember seeing the date and i remember that day i had this meeting for a new job that i just joined um so i was like okay you know well, i'm not gonna be able to go to it right but also that just comes to show you know here in the valley there isn't much advocacy um for these kind of things um for any movements um that is so you know it, it's pretty it's pretty disheartening to to realize that right you know that that you know we don't have much um those kind of things here but going back to what Fatima was saying right I guess it, it does come down to us taking action and really you know like standing up and 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 creating those type of protests you know so yeah and like piggybacking off of what uh, Caleb was saying like in the valley there was like that, like what he was talking about, there was one in Edinburgh, Texas, and it was really peaceful. And they were going to start another protest. And I believe they did. Um, and it was in Edinburgh, and they had a bunch of people like, um, actually participate. And like, if you see the videos, it's a lot of younger crowds, like, it's, it's our generation that is starting to like, be more active in it and stuff. And I don't know if you guys have seen like on Facebook and stuff, there's a uh, Facebook and Twitter, almost in all of social media, there was a video of a guy with a chainsaw basically threatening uh protesters who were like peacefully protesting just because they were like scared that they were gonna start rioting i am so sorry i'm from the valley but we do not have the guts to start rioting what are we gonna like what are we gonna loot we have nothing over there so that was like yeah. so that was that was so dumb of them to think and like i was so mad because i was on facebook for a long time when that was happening and like there was people actually starting a gofundme for the guy to get him out of there when he was the one attacking people with a chainsaw and I was like, are you kidding me? Like, he's not peacefully protesting. Like, everybody else was. And I thought that was, like, such a bad representation of what we're from. Mm -hmm. But, again, that was an older crowd. It's not the young people. I could get, now, because he does own that business, right? Um, I could get one 
I'm sorry, wanting to keep it safe, but just the chainsaw was so unnecessary. It was unnecessary. I was like, Whoa. And then he was screaming like some racial slurs, and I immediately was like, okay. No, come on, yeah. Come on exactly. now. Yeah. And like a lot of people were like, racism doesn't happen here in the Valley. Like that doesn't happen here. And like, I understand a part of them to believe that that doesn't happen here because a lot of people, like I was telling my mom, I was like, yeah, like discrimination still happens there. And she's like, what are you talking about? Cause she doesn't like uh, really speak English and stuff like that. And so in like Spanish, there's not a slur basically for, um, for like people of color and stuff like that. And so like when I explained to her, I was like, yeah, there's a slur that like, the, in the English language uh, against like uh, black people and she was like there is and I was like yeah so I get like there's a lot of people that just don't understand that th these kind of things do happen because they don't grow up you know like learning English and stuff like that um, and I think that's a lot like a huge part of the population in in the valley that they grow up not knowing that this does happen um, but a lot of people do experience it like the small like I believe like 2% of African-Americans that do live in the Valley, like they do experience being constantly watched all the time. And like a lot of people did speak out on Twitter that did live in the Valley about what like their experiences and like different things that happened to them. And like people constantly asking them like, how does your hair feel like? And like, what's it like? And different things that are like so ignorant to ask somebody, you know, and without like good intention, you get me? And I think, yeah, I think a lot of people in the Valley just don't understand that these things do happen and that these things, like these things do happen to us, either, even if we're not a part of them. I was going to say something that's important to recognize, recognize, and I think that people are seeing a lot more of now is that even if America was completely racism free, literally it's racism is so institutionalized that it wouldn't matter. You know, it's in our healthcare system, it's in, you know, our, our criminal, like, justice system, it is in our education system. No matter what, people of color are put at a horrible disadvantage because of how institutionalized it is. So whether every single person was 100% racism-free, it wouldn't matter. And so that's why it's important to talk about things like abolishing the police and abolishing these institutions and not just reforming them, but changing them completely. And I think, at least, because another thing we're going to talk about probably later is about, you know is this, you know, a different, like, sort of civil rights movement than one from the 60s, or is it just a continuation? And honestly, I feel it's a continuation because, yeah, the civil rights movement, it, it's incredible. It changed a lot of laws. It changed a lot of people's minds. It put forth a new generation of people who were, you know, a lot less racist than before, but it didn't change every institution there was. It didn't change, because it couldn't. It couldn't then, because, you know, it's still... It was the 60s, you know, we didn't have everything that we have now, like social media, and we have more people in power who are, you know, with us. But, um, you know, this movement has really gone to show how much inequality there is and how much discrimination and prejudice there is in every single system that we have in America. And that's why things need to happen. If It's, it's going to start with the criminal justice system, and it's not going to end there. You know, things are going to keep changing. And I'm really glad to be part of the generation that's seeing that. And that's actually, you know, not giving up on the fact that we need things to change. So, yeah. <laughs> and I love the fact that I feel like the fire for this generation is so like just ridiculous. It is like it is burning hot and people like still are like granted yes it's starting to slow down things are starting to go back to normal but there's still so many people that are like no remember what what we can't just this can't just be a trend and I wholeheartedly agree and I spoke with an, another a, another girl the other day who was black 
And uh, uh, I were talking about uh, what's going on today. And she was like, I mean, I know that she said that I know we have to keep fighting. But you know, it's just one of those days where it feels like it feels like a little like it's going in a circle. Like it's starting to feel like it's, you know, you're you're running and you're running and it's like, but what are you running for? What are you running to? Um, but I do feel like that whole history, while it does feel like, yes, it does feel like we're doing the same thing over and over again, we, but we are making some process because it's like, you know, at one point black people were considered property. And now in the, over time we've, we've worked to where we're almost, I feel we're almost at a level playing ground. And then it's, I feel like it could pave the way for other um, races that are, that are oppressed in different way, uh, different ways. A big way that all of this can start changing. And I feel like it's a, it's like already starting with the whole movements. And it's, it's so sad that, and not to say that it was just George Floyd's life that like changed all of this, but like, cause this has been going on for like a long time, you know, like black people have been killed by police, like police brutality for a long time. But now that like, um, it took, I, I guess, George Floyd's life for all of us to start to participate and that kind of like i love the fact that we're having this movement and stuff but it kind of sucks that it took somebody's life in order for that to change you know and like i love social media and i think it's such a great thing that all of this is being exposed and stuff like that even even though like social media can have its toxic traits and stuff but it is exposing big corporations that do do these things like i saw a picture on twitter i believe and it was like walmart and it showed like where all of like the the white hair care basically is and then like behind like certain things it would be like African American hair and it would be like covered or like like prices would be either like higher or stuff like that. And like you see that in Barbie dolls too, like a price difference. And like it, it takes big corporations and like big companies to like stop the things that they're doing in order for everybody else to to follow along and see but i'm glad that we have social media to expose those kind of things i mean i think everybody agrees that we wish george floyd you know was still alive and we wish that that wasn't you know the reason that this movement happened but i was watching a trevor noah video um you know it's like daily updates and he was talking about he like one of the reasons that there's like one bright side is that people from all backgrounds like political backgrounds you know like no matter what race you are we all watched the video of george floyd and we all agreed that it was wrong. We all agreed that he did not deserve to die. And even like, you know, people in my family who before didn't really believe in police brutality and didn't really, you know, think that it was actually that big of an issue saw that video and said, this is wrong. And I think it's, it's horrible to say maybe that's what like the movement needed. Maybe we needed more people on our side, but I think that, I think that's what happened. I think we had people who weren't on our side before come all, come along and say, you know what, you guys do deserve justice this is wrong, this is happening. And I think that's, I think that's a big reason why this movement feels different. I think it's because we have so many people on our side and it's no longer, you know, fighting just the people, it's fighting against the system itself. I think before it was a lot of like, you know, police are wrong and police are bad, but now it's the system is really bad and really wrong and we have more people who agree with that. Speaking of social media, back to what Fatima was saying, I'm sure we all have like all the, the the Twitter, the Facebook, the Instagram, all that stuff. Um, things go by super, super quick nowadays. Um, informations can spread to thousands, millions, maybe even plat of platforms. 
in the blink of an eye. And there's a lot of people with a lot of power on these platforms, celebrities, um, politicians, uh, artists, uh, communities. And so uh, I'm curious in the ways to see uh, Fatima and Caleb, the things that you have seen um, in more so like celebrities, brands, things like that, how they've handled different ways that they've handled the movement and some ways that you feel have worked and some ways you feel were like, God, awful, no, no, bad. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure I, I'm, I can already tell Fatima's thinking back at, you know, the countless things she's seen. Um, I guess, uh, first off, um, uh, I really love to see, like, you know, how celebrities step down from whatever they've been working on, you know, uh, may it be, you know, movies, shows, um, you know, recording music or whatnot, right? I know, I know a lot of them have, you know, have been on breaks for quite some time, right, due to the virus and all. But I think it's, it's very heartwarming to see, um, you know, when they, they step out of their, out of, you know, practically their comfort zone, right, to, to go attend protests, right, you know, to go use their, their funds to donate for all these different organizations. Um, but definitely one of the things that always, yeah, that always stood out to me was, you know, like seeing them, you know, walk with different protesters on the streets and all that. Um, I think that's just awesome, right? You know, I'm, I'm sure lots of them um, normally wouldn't do that, normally wouldn't go out in public like that um, because of, you know, their fame and all, you know, and being bombarded by people. But um, I think that's one of the, the, one of the coolest ways of, of, you know, using your, your, your fame, your, your privilege um, to go out there, right. You know, use your voice. Um, so, you know, many people listen to them, right. Many people listen to them on the daily, um, have all their followers, you know, uh, listen to what they, what they believe in. Right. I think one of the, one of a cool example, um, a great example really was, um, John Boyega. I don't know if you know who he is, John Boyega. Um, I know him, I know him from, from Star Wars. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Star Wars, right. He plays Finn in Star Wars. Um, but man, dude, it must take, it must take lots of courage, you know, to stand out, you know, speak for what you believe in. Um, and I'm sure, you know, he was, he was very afraid of, of, of losing his platform, you know, losing his, his career. Uh, I'm, you know, don't, don't quote me on this, but I, I don't know exactly what he said, but he said, he was like, you know, if I'm out of a job after this, right. He was like, you know, I, I don't, I don't care. Right. You know, speaking of what you believe in, um, and then it was still lovely to see, you know, um, other celebrities. Um, like I think Jordan Peele was one of them, you know, that spoke out and he was like, Hey, you know what, John, like I got you, you know, don't, don't worry about a thing. So I think it's, I think it's amazing, you know, they come together and, you know, help out the cause, you know, in, in every way that they can. Yeah. Um, speaking of like celebrities using their platform, I believe like there's like a word that is used a lot that I think is so horrible and it's like the word influencer because they do have the power to influence a mass amount of people and the people who are just doing like performance like protesting basically like I think there was like a picture going around of um it's one of the Jenners <laughs> um Kendall, Kendall Jenner I believe yeah. she had like a, a like a protest yeah. sign but then like in the background you see her shadow and she didn't have a sign and everybody was like wow like you have a huge like platform and you're not using it i don't know if that picture was debunked or not yeah she she did she did apparently say it was fake 
okay but like things like that like you see like how the media can twist things like so easily and stuff like that and I know that like in social media like a lot of people um especially like a lot of artists that I've seen have been like donating um to like a lot of like change.org's um petitions and stuff like that what about you guys' reactions to the theater community um because you know there there's been some uh some things happening <laughs> Fatima's dancing <laughs> Okay, y'all can't see, but Fatima just did the most amazing thing we've ever seen, ever. <laughs> She's very excited. I'm so happy that this is changing things. Like, I was telling my dad, I was like, this isn't only about Black Lives Matter. This is, like, the whole, like, this is expanding so, like, rapidly. And I think it's such a positive thing that it is bringing out. You know, like, yes, there has been looting. Yes, there has been violence going on and stuff like that. But it like that's what it's taking for people to start opening their eyes. And that's what it's taking for these big changes to happen. You know, like I saw on Instagram, Lin-Manuel Miranda, he posted like a bunch of names and like, this is like for um, the theater community. Like we are people of color and we are like, we see you basically. Like we have been suppressed for such a long time. We have been, uh, uh, these big character actors and we've never been like given like these big lead roles to play and if we do get these big lead roles to play it's because we're people of color and it's never because we're just actors and it always has to be like a racial thing and I just don't understand why it does and like I saw on Facebook and it got me so happy um there was this guy who posted like for the theater community, here's a list of all these different shows that you can do without having to have POC actors. And I was like, there's all these lists of shows that you can do that are like white based. And then there's like the small list of like plays that um, are for people of color. And like, and then they still choose to do these shows without having the cast for it and it makes me so upset because I have seen so many versions of In the Heights or West Side Story or Once on This Island being produced with people who aren't of color and it makes me so mad but I'm so glad that it's finally being brought up that this change is about to happen because all of us are theater majors all of us love what we do and like all of us want to see those changes and I think this is so important and this I think that's why all of us are huge activists in this movement right now because this doesn't, it, this is going to be a big thing. And this is, is still like a huge thing that is bringing a lot of change. One thing I will say is um, our friend Bethany, I'm sure all of you know, um, we had an interesting conversation the other day um, about, you know, some, uh, some of these things that we've seen. And she brought up a good point where she feels like a lot of times, you know, people say colorblind casting, but to be honest, a lot of times that can also be used as an excuse to put white people in roles meant for people of color. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely. No, yeah. I mean, I, I, I definitely did hear um, some things regarding like the, the musical theater community, especially like on Broadway. I, I, I saw a few articles of actors, you know, speaking out like this happened and stuff. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, I wasn't aware of that, right? But it, it, it's always, you know, nice to, you know, to see and, and, and learn more about it. I know one thing for sure, um, one thing that I am grateful for um, that, you know, uh, pretty much was caused uh, because of all these movements, right? And all this advocacy for people of color, right? In the industry, especially, um, is, you know, 
like Fatima was saying that Lynn Manuel Miranda, you know, posted all these people. It's like, oh look, you know, these are all the people that, you know, now have uh, now have leads, right? Because of all this, right? Like that you would have never seen that before um, in the industry, right? Um, me personally, that as as um, an aspiring actor who uh, wants to be in film uh, later on in the future, right? I I grew up seeing, you know, like pretty much little to no uh, people of color, like in lead roles, right? You know, or as, you know, as, as you know, big, uh, uh, yeah, you know, like in big parts in movies and stuff. So when I, when I began acting um, uh, in theater in high school, I remember um, this ex-senior came down to, to visit us and just, you know, just kind of give us some words of advice, whatever, right? Because she had already kind of started her career in the industry. Um, I think she, I'm pretty sure she does musical theater, um, but she did get to do a few straight plays and all that. Um, and I was speaking to her about it and she was, you know, just talking to me about like, you know, what you want to do later on in life and, and this and that. And I remember her telling me like, oh, you know what? No, like, I think you have the the perfect look to be like a, a lead right now, you know, like in, in this or whatever. Like they're looking for, you know, that young, um, diverse, uh, you know, like male lead right now in the industry. And that was very surprising to me um, because since I grew up watching, you know, non-people of color um, and these big parts, it was just so surprising. Like, oh, you know, they're, they're actually, you know, like, you know, there's, a, there's actually uh, being a change in the industry. Um, so that just, you know, just picked my hopes up, right? You know, and I think it was one of the biggest reasons why I continue to pursue um, acting and, you know, what I love to do. So, you know, yeah, I, I'm super grateful for that, for sure. I will say something I'm really excited about is I feel like a big reason we're seeing people of color not get cast in people of color roles is because of the generation that is directing and is doing casting. And I'm excited because I know a lot of people our generation are ready to get into that and are ready to cast and ready to direct and ready to put people on stage who deserve to be on stage and who like people who can be represented like can uh, it just it, this is I know okay I'm a white person in musical theater but like so obviously I have a good ticket in but like this stuff bothers me so much there's a there's a play or there's a musical on Broadway I won't name it just in case this comes back to bite me but I hate it not because it's a bad musical but because it's always a bunch of white people and you know they use the excuse of like oh it's a family there's not enough people of color to make a family are you stupid (laughs) it's just like it bothers the heck out of me because I'm like, your excuses are stupid. You're dumb. You cast the same little skinny white girl with long brown hair for every single person. <laughs> like, it's stupid to me. And I genuinely don't know. <laughs> I will go off Lauren. <laughs> but I think maybe it's just crazy to me because I talk about this all the time. I grew up, um, I grew up in Grand Prairie and I grew up, it's ridiculous, but I grew up in like the poor area which means because of our system and because of how stupid the world in America is, means that it was, you know, majority, a lot of people of color. And I think in my elementary school, there was like 15 white people out of 500 total people. Like, I, I think I've grown up in a very diverse neighborhood. And I'm really thankful for that because I've been exposed to like a lot of different cultures and a lot of different people. And so it just always blows my mind that people don't think that people of color are deserving to have their stories on the stage. It literally blows my mind. But, um, a uh, big thing about MT is I think a lot of the reasons that we do see a lot of white people 
especially in a lot of the really good theater programs and things like that, is because white people are, you know, more well-equipped with wealth to get voice lessons and to fly to auditions and to go to all these places. And recently, I don't know if I'm allowed to shout them out. I'll probably DM them after this just to see if it's okay. But there's um, this Instagram page in this company called The Fund for College Auditions. And it is all about giving people who um, come from like underprivileged and disadvantaged neighborhoods, which is um, honestly a lot of people of color, give them the opportunity to you know, get voice lessons and get, you know, headshots and go to college auditions so that we can change the stage. Because even if, I've said this before, even if there was no racism, our system is so messed up that people of color are at a disadvantage to where they can't get into musical theater programs and they can't, you know, get themselves to like have the same advantages that white people have. So that's another reason why we're not seeing the stage change the way we want. So it's important. And that's why also I work with junior players too. And they are all about you know, making it easier for people who come from disadvantaged neighborhoods to be in shows. And I think we need more people like that. And we need more people in like organizations like that, that are all for changing the stage, not just from a perspective of the casting and the directors, but from where it comes from. Because it doesn't always, it doesn't, there's talented people of color, but they just don't always have the same advantages that white people have, that not as talented white people have. And that's the tea. <laughs> I think it's like so disheartening because like going into theater, I was always so hesitant. I was like, I'm not going to make it. Like I'm this little Mexican girl. Like what, where are you going to see me on stage? Like what am I going to get cast as? And that's like a sad thought to have, you know, having something that you're so passionate about, but you're hesitant because of the color of your skin or because of how like one-minded like everything is when it comes to casting. And I think a big reason why a lot of, big companies and a lot of like people who like produce uh, entertainment basically are hesitant to like put people of color on stage is because it lowers production value or their patrons won't like it and their patrons are older white people and like that's why they want to cater to them and that's why they don't want to cast us because we aren't what they want to see on stage basically and that makes it so hard as somebody like, as somebody of color wanting to do theater, it makes it so difficult to, like, keep that hope alive, basically, because you're constantly being told that you can't. Uh, another thing that I was going to bring up, another thing that I was going to bring up is, um, I remember I, I had a conversation with Emily about TFA and, like, how that was really, um, like, that was really, like, ju an, a judgmental experience for me because as soon as you walk in, people automatically, like, hear the school that you're from or, like, see the group that you have and automatically, if you have any person of color or you are a person of color group going into TFA, they automatically believe that they are higher than you. And I've seen that a lot firsthand. Like, whenever my group would go um, compete in TFA, a lot of people would look at us and would look at us weird or think that they have an upper hand because they are white and we are not. And then they would see us in finals or in see like that, and they'd be like, oh, they're only advancing them because they're people of color. And we are trying to make this diverse, basically. It was the same way. Sorry, it was the same way with one act for us, too. And we noticed, like, with every time we advanced, the schools got less and less diverse the higher up we went. And, uh, you know, we'd walk in, we've got kids literally from pretty much every race. And like, it's just, it's just so interesting to see that and to see that that's the way that it seems that it's set up right now. Uh, sadly, that's what you see. Like I when we had gone to state my freshman year, that was the first time I had ever like seen discrimination, I guess, 
uh, surrounding like my like uh, my race because when I went, um, I remember our, the seniors telling us because I was just an alternate, so I was in like on stage or anything like that. Um, but I remember the seniors telling us that once they got off stage, um, they were really upset because the people that were hosting us that year um, kept on saying, "Oh, look at those spics." they're just messing around on stage. How did they make it here? Basically just like putting us down. And at the end of the day, we were still at state at the end of the day, like our work still showed. And like, that was like the only thing that was keeping us like going. And like our director would always say like, we are the little engine that couldn't and did you get me? And like, and I, that made it like, that made me really happy knowing that like, even though a lot of people thought that we weren't going to make it because we're just a bunch of Hispanics on stage, basically playing white people roles that we weren't going to make it a state. We still did. And like somebody like, I don't know who the judge, like the judges saw something in us and like gave us the opportunity, you know, to, to advance. But also I don't want it to be like, Oh, they, they spared us or anything like that. Are they going to treat us differently? Because uh, it'll be a nice thing for them. You get me. I don't want, I, I hate that mindset of like, we should treat others differently because now with the whole situation of like the black lives matter movement and thing we should be sensitive to like certain groups and like people of color basically it's just like no we don't want to be treated special we just want to be treated equal <laughs> so with that um there's something else that i was curious about you guys um so janelle told us the other day about this experience she had when she went to go protest and she talked about uh being out there and there's this white lady that was like i'm here for you I'm here to help you out. And Janelle was like, uh, all right. So the reason I'm, I'm brought that up is I'm curious about, um, you guys is there's this whole thing, uh, kind of in the pop culture media kind of thing. There's this idea of a, um, the white savior, uh, you know, that kind of person that is, that's also plays into the idea of it being more presentational, more, um, for show to be like, and then it also speaks to what you were talking about, Fatima, about like being coddled, like not, we're not trying to be babied, we're trying to be put as equal. So I'm curious, curious as to you guys' perspective on that whole idea of the white savior. And if you see it, uh, how much, how much you see it, if so. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess like many other things, you can't, you can never really tell, right, you know, when people are you know, really fighting for what they truly believe in, or I guess for lack of better terms, you know, they're just kind of just doing it for, for show, for clout. Right. Um, but I, 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 you can, you can always kind of tell though, you know, uh, uh, especially going back to, you know, when, when people are, are, are excessively uh, posting about it, I guess that always kind of catches my attention where it's like, no, yeah, you know, it, it, it is great to, to be um, showing awareness, right, and and of course, you know, speaking speaking your mind and what you believe in, right. But I think lots of the times, the things that these people are posting, you know, don't 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 seem very. Um, how should I say this? Uh, they don't seem very reasonable. They're kind of just spitting words out of their mouth, right? It just kind of seems like, oh, look at me, look what I'm doing, rather than like genuine. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, exactly. You know, saying genuine information, you know, um, again, just raising awareness. Um, but yeah, I, I, I have caught on to that, you know, I guess a uh, term of, of white savior. And I have noticed it from time to time, but um, yeah. I think um, 
a lot of people like that I've seen, like they, they use the excuse of like, like, for example, like I knew somebody that would constantly talk like to me about being Hispanic. And I was like, okay, I don't want to constantly talk about being Hispanic all the time, just because I happen to be, you know, and I feel like those are the kind of people that are like constantly like doing that performative, um, like activism basically like where they they're like oh I have one black friend and that makes me a good person all of a sudden like it shouldn't be that way it should just be like oh I have a friend you know that just happens to be a person of color you know and I feel like um I feel like they have the like the mindset of like wow I'm gonna post one thing on my Instagram and now I'm doing a good change and yes your intentions are good and all but what are you doing in your surroundings and what are you doing in your family life? And what are you doing with those people that still have those, those hard headed beliefs of like all lives matter, you know, like all like pull up blue, like back the blue and all these different things. Like what are you doing to change their outlook and everything that's going on right now? I'm really glad you brought up um, the people who like will post one thing and then be like, I'm done because like we, like I said earlier, this kind of, the general topic is, like, protesting and, like, you know, the theater arts community and, like, what's effective and what's not, and I'm curious to hear, like, what you guys think, because, I mean, even I, like, I have, like, seen white saviorism, and I've also seen people using their privilege, and something that I'm confused is about, like, um, where the line is, because I don't think it's up to me to decide where that line is, you know, I'm not a person of color, yes, I've seen all the horrible things that happen, but I don't think that gives me, you know, the right to be like, I decide this is where the line is, you know? So I'm interested, I'm interested to hear, like, where you guys think the line is between using your privilege and using your voice and uplifting, you know, voices of people of color and being a white savior. And what people can, like, say, like, oh, you know, I actually am not a white savior, but how can they, like, truly show it? Is it, you know, through donations, through petitions? Like you said, Fatima, you know, calling out the racism you see in your family? Like, what is a way to truly and, like, honestly show that you are, you know, using your privilege and actually effectively protesting? I think genuine effort is enough. Like, not doing just, like, a lot of people can say whatever they want about anything that you're doing. You know, like they can be like, oh, she's not being genuine. Or, oh, she actually doesn't believe in this, but she's just doing it because it's a part of the movement people can say whatever they want about your activism and but at the end of the day it's your activism you choose to do what you want with you choose to do what you want with like what you're like participating with and stuff like that and I feel like if you know that your intentions are good and if you know that you are wholeheartedly doing that and you always feel it you always feel it it's like an instant in like intuition whenever you're doing something because you feel like you need to you know that that's a genuine thought and like that's a genuine action but if you're doing something because you're on instagram and you just saw that somebody posted that and you're like oh let me show everybody that i care and like let me repost and stuff like that you know in your heart that you're not being genuine so it doesn't matter whatever you do as long as you know in your heart that you're doing it with good intentions you know i think that's like where the line would be for me because it's it's really hard to tell like how caleb said last time like it's it's so hard to tell if somebody is being uh, genuine or not and like if they're posting something because they truly care and if if they're posting something because they they're just you know doing performative activism and i feel like if you truly care it should it won't really affect you in the way that like if you're being called out for it for being um 
for being doing it for in a way that's like very look at me be uh, good and do good things if people are like oh you're doing it wrong and you you know that you're coming from a good place and it doesn't matter and that's like that's all that that's all that is needed you did what you needed to do so and people don't like that then move on but if you are doing it from um to for that attention for that clout it'll it'll come back to haunt you i i believe in karma personally but like um it, it wouldn't affect you if you know in your heart that you're doing the right thing in my opinion yeah i completely agree with that like you know like you know when you're doing something like yeah. genuine or not and i think um like if it's coming like from a like a good place in your heart then like it shouldn't yeah it shouldn't matter it shouldn't affect you because you know that you're you're setting out to do something that that you know that's it's what you need to do you know it's, it, it, the, the line really is where you know what what you believe is right right um and how lauren was saying right now that um if you're kind of just doing it for the attention of others for clout right you know it will come back and haunt you right it'll come come back and bite you um i think ultimately it'll, it'll leave a void of of you know not 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 doing something that you believe in you know i think if you have that sense of 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 what you think is is good is good and if you don't act upon it i think you know i think that's still gonna that's still gonna stay inside of you um so exactly you know it's 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 really what you believe in you guys feel like there's a difference between um performative activism and being a white savior because I feel like a lot of people will say, like, oh, if I was being white savior, it was all good intentions and stuff. Do you think there's a difference? Because I feel like whenever I think white savior, I'm thinking it's somebody who's saying, I'm white and I'm helping you guys. And they're saying it as a way to be like, oh, you guys are, like, less than me. And that's why I'm helping you. And that's what makes me a good person. Like, I'm helping people who need need my help. And then I feel like when they do that, they're actually, you know, overpowering the voices of the people in the movement. I also feel like it's the way that you react to it because like if I were to go to a, a white person and they're like, I'm helping you. And I were like, no, this is the way you need to look at it. It's, it's like a team effort and you are, um, you are genuine about it. Then you, you will be willing to make that change and be like, okay, let me step back and let me uh, collaborate with you on what ha ways that I can help genuinely. But if you aren't, then it's just, it's just not going to happen. And I feel like that's the way you're going to be able to see it is you're gonna be, you, I feel like people like that are just closed-minded and truly uh, ignorant to the issues. So um, there's that difference, I feel. Like, it's, it's all about the way you react to it. Because um, some people are called out and are coming from genuine places, but from what I've seen is they'll do their best to be like, okay, I'm sorry, tell me how I can help in a way that uh, is more effective, so. Yeah, like how Lauren was saying, I think it's like, stepping back and realizing the power that you do have and like the differences and noticing the differences between like what happens to you and what happens to a person of color you know and like stepping back and, and realizing what you can do to help so like I, I saw like this video and like obviously it was on twitter because twitter is such a huge platform but it was like this person you know like your phone is like a huge like weapon basically like your, your phone you press the camera you record and now everybody gets to see that you know and there was somebody uh it was a, a white person you know recording um a black person getting beat up by the police that i believe is using your power to 
to expose it so that everybody sees that this isn't just, it wasn't just George Floyd. It wasn't just um, like all these other people that did experience police brutality. Like this is still an ongoing thing, you know, and like using the power or like stepping in front or stepping in, knowing that nothing's going to happen to you as brutal as it will happen to somebody of color. You know, like I saw this um, post and it was like, a line of just like white people protecting everybody else, all the protesters, because they know it won't be as bad for them as it will be for for um, the people of color. I think that's like, um, it wouldn't be like white saviorism, but it would be like using your privilege in a way that it will help, you know? I really want to reiterate what you're saying about, um, so like a white person is not going to have the same consequences or the same, you know, brutality that someone who's a person of color will experience. And I think that does, like, um, that does also have sort of a, a negative thing to it. Because I've seen a lot of people talking, especially about the protests and stuff, about white people asking white people not to aggra- aggravate the protests or not incite violence and to not be more aggressive than they have to be. Because at the end of the day, it's not going to be the white person who faces the consequences. It's going to be the people of color. Because they could be, you know a thousand white people at a protest and 10 black people. But if that protest ends up being aggressive, they're going to blame it on the black people. Yeah. That's what they're going to do. They're going to blame it on yeah. the people of color because those are the stereotypes and the biases that they have. So something I just, I want everybody who's know, who's like listening to this podcast, you know, like if you're a white person, something that they're really asking, at least on Twitter from what I've seen, you guys can also please comment on it. But they're talking about like, don't aggravate the situation. Don't be aggressive. It's easy to be upset and, and mad as a white person and understand why this isn't happening, but know that, you will not face the same consequences or the same aggression that a person of color will, and they will take the fault for the things that you do. Yeah, like, I've seen a lot, like, a lot of people have made a lot of comments about, like, the looting and the violence and everything that's been going on um, regarding the protests and, and, and the riots and stuff, but what they don't see is that a lot of it has been started by people that aren't a part of the protests or people that are using the protests as an excuse to go and cause more pain for people of color, you know? Like, I will I will say that I've seen a lot of videos where it's, like, a lot of white dudes with skateboards, like, going into, like, I've seen, like, Hot Topic get rated, and I'm so sorry, but you will rarely see people of color Hot Topic. Like, you, like, I know who those, pro- like, I know where, who is starting those protests. It's, like, those, like, riots and stuff. Like, it is not us. Like, it, it truly isn't. And, like, there was, like, a video of, like, a police officer, like, an undercover police officer going into, like, an auto zone and, like, starting to break the, the windows and stuff like that. But all the media shows is that the people of color, like, the Black people are going into, like, and these, like, um like, stores and, like, like stealing all these things but it's like you don't see that a lot of it isn't started and I saw like this video and it made me so mad of this person like he like she started like like um started like a Wendy's on fire I believe and like all of like the black protesters was like what are you doing like stop like you're like because all of it like that goes back to every everybody that is protesting peacefully and it's making all of us seem like if we're doing so much damage and stuff like that when we're not and it's so sad. And like, I saw this video of like this Houston police officer saying like, I don't believe in violence. Like, I don't believe in, in, in the looting and stuff like that. But I know that it's not you guys. Like, I know that it's like, we can't judge a whole protest for a huge, like, like a small amount of people that are doing that, you know? And like, 
the sad thing is, is that costing these big companies money is what is making the change, you know? Like, a lot of people can be, like, anti-violence and anti, like, um, like looting and, and rioting and stuff like that. But all of that, sadly, is what it took for all of these, like, police officers to finally, you know, like, pay their debts basically finally get detained and like get um like to raise a degree basically you know like that was like a huge thing going on on twitter like that's what it took and that's so sad that that's what like that's what had to happen you know like for for um the government to finally pay attention to like everything that's going on and i'm pretty sure like they have been paying attention but they're like oh okay now this is costing us money in the middle of a pandemic like like let's let's calm them down basically yeah, I mean, we live in a society that's fueled by money and fueled by where people are gaining the most. And um, something I have seen uh, is July 4th and July 7th, they want to do an economic blackout. So it's like, don't buy anything unless it's, you know, from a Black-owned business. And um, I think, it may just be don't buy anything, but I'm pretty sure it's don't buy anything unless it's from a Black-owned business on July 4th and July 7th. And it's like an economic blackout. And I think, personally, I feel like that's a pretty cool way to protest and to, you know, boycott things. Civil rights movement in the 60s did it all the time. You know, they boycotted buses for a whole over a year. Yeah, so they boycotted and they put their money where their mouth was. And I think that's something that we're kind of missing in this generation. I think we do have a lot of, you know, social media and a lot of um, protests and things like that. But a lot of the times, um, especially on social media, we're only really reaching the people who agree with us. We're not really reaching, you know, the higher, the higher people and the higher corporations, the people who are in power to make that kind of change. Yeah, we have a few Congress people and a few senators, people on Twitter. But again, those are people who are agreeing with us. I definitely feel like there's like two sides to every social media platform. There's people who agree with us, people who don't. And I think, you know, depending on people you follow, people are also unfollowing people who don't agree with them, which honestly do it because forget those people. If you don't believe in racism, how do you not believe in that? But anyway, um, yeah, so I feel like something like an economic blackout and protests even and like petitions and things like that, I feel like there's, there's got to be even more ways to reach the people who don't agree with us and reach people who aren't listening to us. Because I feel like, you know, when I retweet something, it's going to the people who've already seen that tweet, you know, 16 times. We're just reaching the people who are on our side. So it's just a question of how can we reach people who are the ones in power and are making those decisions. It can actually cause, you know, justice and change is going to last for years and years. So... Uh, for Fatima and Caleb, I am curious, uh, the ways that protests have changed, uh, the ways that we have protested have changed, especially uh, with the new age of social media, you know, people can have information uh, to them so instantaneously. Um, so one thing I'm wondering uh, from you guys is, do you feel that there is anything the older generation can do to further the cause? Like, what are some ways that you feel like like even like your parents, some people that are like, what is it? Is it uh, millennials, I guess? And uh, uh, all of uh, baby boomers, I think. What do you, what are some ways you feel from, because they're, 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 they are, they have been on this earth longer. They are probably wiser in some way. So what do you feel um, is a way that we can assist them in helping uh, change, assist us in this change? I think it's so hard for me to say like, oh, we need to understand where they're coming from. Like they grew up with these ideals and stuff like that. But how is it so hard not to judge somebody for the color of their skin? You know, like, I feel like I'm like coddling them by saying like, 
oh, it's just because they they're implemented with these ideals and stuff like that. But like, it is not difficult, especially like for people who are um, who believe in, in God and stuff like that. Like who uh, who are very religious. How is it so difficult to love one another when that's literally what the Bible is telling us? You know love somebody else like they are your brother and sister you know like how like how hard is that especially like i've, I've seen a lot of people who are like uh very religious and stuff like that and that are uh, um like very religious and stuff like that and that are like against the movement and against all these like different ideals that we are starting and stuff like that you know and i just like i say the same question like you do know jesus wasn't why you know like if that is what you believe in like he literally grew up on the other side of the world where in extreme heat like he was not white like and you're gonna tell me that you're gonna like would you judge against jesus like we're all supposed to treat everybody as if they were jesus you know like always have a helping hand always like treat others with kindness and like i think that's like that's something that like we need to remind them of like we are all human you know we are all human at the end of the day we're all you know just sacks of blood and 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 bones and stuff at the end of the day like there's nothing to us like this life this life matters but it's more important of what we leave behind you know i think that's way more important what we leave behind for like further like future generations i'm glad i'm glad you bring that up fatima you know you bring up people's uh faiths and all um and personally, me, that I grew up in a Christian household, I think that was one of the ways that I, you know, um, got to my parents, you know, my dad uh, specifically, right, you know, just reminding him what our whole faith consists of, which is love, right, you know, and him, you know, being um, um, him as, as a person who serves uh, plenty at our church, right, um, you know, he had no other uh way but but to agree with me right it was just like yeah you know you you're all right you know it's an eye-opener um but i think as as uh you know us us uh we are millennials aren't we no no we are we're like gen z i don't think but you know us younger crowd um i think that's one of the biggest ways that we can get to you know um older people older people older generations right you know if they do have a, a strong belief in their faith you know whatever you know I say that you try to, you know, incorporate it, right? You know, you try to incorporate uh, these movements, right? You know, these these um, these ideals of, of love, you know, and kindness, right? Because you know, mostly all all faiths, right, kind of revolve around the same um, idea, right? You know, and it kind of all falls down to, you know, treat people with kindness, you know, uh, love one another. So, and I'm glad you brought that up, Fatima. Yeah, and, like, one of, like, the biggest, like, things is, like, you know, how, how in, in Christianity we believe, like, Jesus came down to this world to save it, and now we're his kids, and we're trying to save the world that he created for us, you know, and that's how I believe, like, to leave this earth with something, like, knowing that I did the best I could to maintain how he wanted it, you know. I do really appreciate you guys bringing up um, the faith aspect of it, because I think something that the older generation can really do is understand the privilege and like the um kind of like level playing field they have with other people their age because i know i've been arguing with a, an uncle on twitter or not on twitter on facebook because he's been posting some stuff that i'm like are you serious but anyway so and i think a big reason he doesn't listen to me is not just because i don't agree with him but because of my age you know i'm 19 he's probably like i don't know a thousand years old or something but like he just doesn't you know 
he doesn't know where I'm coming from. And I, even if I know where he's coming from and I understand that he has his own personal biases and things like that, he doesn't listen to me because I'm a kid and because I'm younger than him and because I'm from a different generation. And I know that's something that I'm really appreciative of Janelle for because she gave Lauren and I and people our age a platform to speak and a platform to use our voices in a way that people would listen. And people are starting to realize, holy cow, maybe these kids are onto something. You know, we've had people talk about, you know, be voiced and go on podcasts and, you know, talk with us on podcasts and be like, dang, these kids, they're smarter than we think. You know, they're actually saying some real stuff that we should be listening to. But I think, you know, people who are still really stuck in what they're believing in, if, you know, I think a 45-year-old can talk to a 45-year-old better than a 45-year-old can talk to a 19-year-old. So you have to understand, you know, the you know, the level playing field you're on when you're in that generation, you can talk to your generation. You know, you don't have, you can't just depend on us to do it because they're not going to listen. You have to talk to people who are in the same mindset and in the same world as you, because I promise you, they think we're living in a real different world. But if you can see things from the way we're seeing them and then talk to people who are your age and in your generation, they will listen to you way more than they listen to us. And if they listen to you and they truly understand where you're coming from, I believe that they'll actually, you know, make a difference and make a change. Yeah, I also believe that, like, age does not define maturity. Like, a lot of, like, everybody goes through different experiences. Like, some kids are forced to mature a lot earlier and experience a lot, like, experience a lot of things earlier than they should, you know, as kids. And that takes a toll on them for the rest of their lives. And and I just believe, like, all it takes, like, especially during right now, everything that's going on, it's so frustrating. And it's, and sometimes you wake up and you feel helpless because you're like, what can I do, you know? And all of these anger, like, all of these, like, feelings bring up a lot of anger and a lot of, like, frustrations that we want to block out what other people believe in and stuff like that. And I think all it takes is, like, us trying, trying to understand one another. And, like, okay, somebody views something different than me. That doesn't mean that I'm automatically going to go and attack them for it. You know, and like we automatically believe that like if somebody views something like different than I do, then they're wrong, you know, and I think that's what stops us from listening to one another is like you need to stop and realize they grew up differently than I did. Okay, they have different experiences that I did. They experience like they live differently than I do. I need to step back and understand where they're coming from. And I think that's all it takes is like trying to understand where we're coming from. Yeah, I really feel you on that. And another thing, I think I said this on an earlier podcast, too, is um, something I try to focus on when I am having discussions or arguments with people who maybe are more close-minded or don't agree with me, is I'm not really arguing with them to change their mind. I'm arguing and discussing with them in the hopes that people are listening. And people are going to listen and hear the sides of the story and understand. Because when you're in an argument or you're, like, or you're acting irrational, you're heated or something, you may not take things the way that they, like the way that I'm saying them, but somebody who's listening can hear both things and maybe make opinions for themselves. Because I feel like another big issue we're, we're coming to is that people are getting their new, their information from one source and they're getting it from a source that's um, kind of complimenting or agreeing with the things that they believe. And so they're not hearing enough of things that people like that they don't believe and they're not hearing enough um they're not hearing enough of things that they don't agree with. And so when they hear something they don't agree with and they're feeling, they feel attacked and they feel like, oh, you know, like, I don't want to be wrong. But if you can discuss with somebody, even if they're closed-minded and they're never going to agree with you, discuss with them and give your point, obviously, respectfully, because people are going to listen to you when you're respectful and people are going to listen and form their own opinions from that discussion and from that conversation. 
you don't argue with someone to change their mind. You argue with someone else to change the people to change the minds of the people around you. And I have something else to say, and I forgot it. But yeah, I agree with you guys a lot. <laughs> it it really is just so infuriating how how difficult it is for people to comprehend the world that we live in and how close-minded they are to it. And uh, you know, all these there's protesters that they're they're telling people when you go protest. Make sure you do every precaution you can so you can't be tracked down because some protesters have been tracked down and killed. I saw something today. I may be, the numbers may be slightly off, but I saw something today that said since this, I think it's been like, what are we, three weeks in or four weeks about that? Um, since we started the whole protest movement, over 120 men have died from at the hands of the police. Um, and then there was like in the last week, is it week? Um, in the last... Um, two weeks, five men have been found hanging from trees. Like this is some like, that was stuff that happened during like slavery and it's still happening in like 2020. And it, it's, it's so, I guess we, we I think one of the biggest things um, that I want to encourage is, especially to like younger um, audiences listening is focusing on trying to change the older generation's mind while we still have time to kind of, grow up and see what they can do to, to help us out before we have to take, take the reins, you know? Um, so many, so many, these, they're kids like out here fighting for their lives really. And it's just, it's a, it's a scary thing to still be going through it, but we have to do it. I think they um, debunked the whole 120 people, but it's still, people have died. People, I don't know the exact number. Yeah, people are dead, die, people are dead. And I don't understand people, the way people react to police killing people is like, oh, they shouldn't have resisted arrest. They shouldn't have done this. They shouldn't have done that. Well, that doesn't mean they deserve to die. Like death is not the answer for everything. If you think that someone's life is worth taking because they resisted arrest from a police officer, you have trouble with authority. You have trouble believing that that's what police are for. Like, I don't think you... I don't think you understand. I don't think, I don't think they get it, but yeah. So uh, we're getting close to that time. We're getting, we're getting to where we got to wrap it up. Fatima and Caleb, there's some, um, so uh, there's some things that we like to do before we close out every podcast. So uh, Fatima and Caleb, uh, what are uh, some, what is something that uh, you would want to leave with the listeners um, that are hearing you right now? What is something that you'd want to take with them as this podcast comes to an end? I guess something I could leave the, the, the audience or uh, the listeners here on the podcast is me going back to what we mentioned earlier is, you know, um, you know, fight for what you believe in, right. You know, don't, don't, don't uh, really focus on, on what other people, um, you know, no, might, might say about you, right. Might call you out for, right. You know, if it's, if it's really what you believe in, what you think it's right, um, then, you know, go for, go for it. Right. You know, it, that, that's all you, um, I'm a strong believer in that. I think it's something that I uh, truly need to continue practicing in my life. So I guess, I guess I could say that one of the takeaways that I got from this is just a, you know, an eye opener, um, really, you know, a reminder to tell myself that, you know, I, I got to speak up for what I believe in. Right. I think I've, 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 um, I've had the tendency to stay back, you know, uh, keep my mouth shut about many things. Um, 
but really, you know, speaking about these things, or, you know, really, really talking to someone about it um, has really pretty much motivated me um, to, to fight for what I believe in. So, again, you know, thank you guys so much for, for having me on here. Um, it, was, it, was, it, was a, it was a good time. It was a nice time talking to you all. Um, one of the most important things I think we all need to, like, get comfortable with is, like, going back to, like, what Emily had said um, earlier is, like, sitting in, like, what makes you uncomfortable because those sitting in what makes you uncomfortable is what's going to have those experiences mean a lot more because you're sitting into something that you, you don't understand and being willing to, to um, understand one another is like really important and like having those conversations, you know, like even if they're going to meet, even if they're going to be uncomfortable conversations to have, or like, you know, those conversations are going to lead to arguments and stuff like having those conversations with your family, having those conversations with people that don't agree with you, you know, like just having your voice be out there and knowing that you said all you needed to say and now like leaving them with those thoughts, you know? And like, that's like something that I'm really excited for, you know, like for this podcast and stuff like that, having people listen to, to our thoughts. And I think that's like really important to have these discussions and having more of these discussions when, you know, with your family and friends. And I hope that's like something that they take away from this. But yeah, I'm really grateful for this experience. Something that I really want to, I, something I appreciate taking away from this conversation is how um, all of you guys kind of agreed that when it comes to like using your privilege and like white saviorism and performative act activism, you guys like um, all kind of honestly were about talking about how it is about your genuine want and desire and how deeply you actually do feel about these issues and paying attention to that and not just um, people are saying about it. I think that was really important. I think that's something that everybody can take away from is, you know, deep down, if you do truly feel like you're doing it's right and you're listening to the people who are um, being affected by these issues and, you know, taking what they're saying in and changing based on that, that's really important and that's good. Um, and something I really want to leave with you guys is, like um, Fatima said, don't be afraid to sit in that discomfort. And also don't be afraid to take one step out of it for a second, because I know on Twitter and especially, yeah, especially on Twitter and Facebook, you see all these horrible things and you become desensitized um, and you become angry sometimes. And it's really important to take that step out and reevaluate how you feel in your emotions, because it's very easy to kind of get this like hive mind of what's right and what's wrong and not actually take into account what you are feeling as a human being um, as a white person, as a person of color, as somebody in America or somebody in a different country, it's important to take a step back and say, what am I feeling in response to the things that other people are saying and to the events that are happening? And that's something I want to leave with you guys. Also, I really love talking to you guys and I'm really glad we had this conversation. It felt like a normal sleepover conversation. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, so something I'm taking away is, uh, while we all have social media nowadays, um, and you know, any you can see anything when you're on a platform. It's also important to remember how um, how easily misconstrued uh, the the things that you see are, and how easy it is for people to just make up random stuff that's completely untrue. And how important it is to do your own research and to form your own opinions. Because if we're not educated, we we are going to keep on going in the same direction, the same circle, um, and nothing will ever get done. 
And then uh, something I want to leave with you guys is to not give up. We are, we are making progress, I feel. And yes, you know, every long battle has its ups, it has its downs, and it is slowly feeling like um, the fire starting to dim, but it, we can't let it because it's just going to keep on happening. Black Lives Matter cannot be a trend because if we let it be a trend, we are going to be in the same place at the same time several years later. And I have two twin brothers that are, uh, they're gonna be 18 in two weeks and they just graduated from high school. And as young black boys, I, I, I speared every day when they went to high school. I, I, when I was in high school with them, I would legitimately think like, if something were to happen, where could I get to them? Um, and I just, I want, I want to make sure that we eventually grow up in a world to where I know my brothers can be safe. And if I were to have kids, just, uh, that I know that they're going to be safe. And I maybe one day not have to live in that world where like you're black. And so things are just gonna have to be different. And I just have to let you make sure that you understand that you're just different and people are gonna treat you that way. So that is my piece. Let me just say this, a huge thank you to Janelle and Chris for giving us uh, the podcast for the day. We had fun hijacking it. Uh, a huge thanks to Fatima and uh, Caleb. Uh, you guys are great friends and great classmates, and we're excited to see you in the fall, hopefully. And um, follow us on Instagram, follow Echoes Media One, and then B underscore voiced on Instagram. Uh, we look forward to seeing all of you guys and uh, hopefully hearing your, take, your, your own leaves and takeaways from the podcast. Uh, thank you guys for your attention. And uh, we'd like to close out with create hope for Japan and change the world. Thanks, guys. Thank you, guys.